All right, so um, we begin, uh, turn your Bibles, James chapter 1. Let's go back there tonight. James chapter 1 and verse number 2, praise God. James chapter 1 and verse number 2. Uh, we began uh, a series last Wednesday night entitled, Ready for Trial. Ready for Trial. And so tonight uh, we're going to continue that study, and so the title is Ready for Trial and this will be um, part two. And the simple uh, idea uh, behind uh, these messages is that you know, the Bible speaks of our faith being put on trial. The trying or the trial of your faith. To make trial, the one translation of, of, of these words and these verses literally is to make a trial of, to make trial, to put on trial. And so as I begin to meditate and, and, and think about that, um, you know, trials are a pretty big deal. I mean, like a, like a courtroom trial. Um, both sides spend a lot of time and effort and even money uh, in, in preparation for, you know, what may be only a few days. They may put months or, or, you know, even almost a year or more into preparing for a trial, uh, and, and then they try that case. And so... We said that the enemy is uh, the accuser of the brethren. He, he is the one that's trying to haul our faith into court. Um, and it's sad but true that a lot of born-again believers are not ready for trial. They're, they're, they're not ready to uh, give an answer uh, from the Word of God for their faith and for the position of faith they've taken. And so because of that, the enemy is being far too successful uh, in winning cases uh, against um, God's... I don't mean in the eyes of God. I don't, please don't misunderstand me. Uh, he's not you know, getting God to side with Him. Uh, I'm just talking about your faith. And, um, and so if He can uh, influence you and deceive you and move you off of a position of faith, then um, He's going to be successful uh, where He should not be. All right? So let's get into this. James uh, chapter 1, and uh, we'll begin at verse number 2. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Okay? So let me point out just a couple of things to you. Um, the words that we see here, trial, as, as we, if we were to continue reading, we'll see that they shift over to tempt or temptation. Um, they're the same words. And it's the same word in the original language that's just translated in some places, try, trial, other places, uh, test or tempt. And so I want to I make sure that you understand that, okay? Uh, the word is parasimos or parasimos in the original language. So he's saying that we should count it all joy when we fall into various trials. I want you to think about something for a moment, okay? I, I did not have a very long career in coaching Little League Baseball, um, but, I, but I did it, amen. Uh, me and Matthew, they were short some coaches one year, and, and uh, John, Mark, and Jesse were playing, and, and uh, so they asked if we would coach, and we were like, are you serious? And, uh, and my brother, he says, can you get us a rule book? You know, he was, yeah, it needed a rule book. So 
Uh, but anyway, we, we coached, and, and of course it's not just from that experience, but from other experiences, I've come to a conclusion, okay? And that is simply this. Whether or not you think you can win affects how you perform during the game. Whether or not you think you can win affects how you perform during the game. So let me give you an example here. Just imagine for a moment you're coaching a, a Little League ball team and they're about to play the best team in the league. They're about to play the team that's beat every other team in the league by 10 runs or more every time they've played. Your team, on the other hand, has not been doing so well and has lost more than 50% of their games, okay? So if the coach, you know, you know, tells the players, you know, look, we're going to lose this one, guys. They're better than us, blah, blah, blah. In other words, if, if the boys believe that they're going to lose, it's going to affect how they play the game, negatively affect it. But if, on the other hand, you got a coach, and this is one of the differences between you know, world-class coaches in any sport, right? It's when they can motivate their team and inspire their team, and even if their team is an underdog, have that team believing when they take the field that they can win the game because that coach knows what we need to know is if they don't believe they can win, they're going to perform poorly. But if they believe that they have a chance, it's going to increase the effort, it's going to increase the, the enthusiasm, that goes into that performance. So why am I bringing that up now? This is what Paul is saying. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Jesus told us that we were going to experience trials, tribulation, persecution, tests, trouble. He told us that we were going to experience those things, but He also told us to be of good cheer because He has overcome this world. So the idea is... We know that we're going to face some challenges, but we don't go into those challenges defeated. We, we don't go into those challenges believing that we're going to lose. We go into those challenges knowing that we've already won, knowing that we are victorious in Christ Jesus, knowing that, that, that we are, are, are expecting victory. So if you believe you can win, it's going to affect how you deal with the challenges and the issues that you face, right? Versus if you go into it believing you can't win, um, and, and, and again, how you're going to respond to the things that you face and deal with. Now, I want to, I want to point out a connection here that's very important, and I'm going to, I'm going to use the screen to do it, okay? Um, he says, count it all joy... Now, obviously all this is important when you fall into various trials, but I want you to skip over that part for just a moment and make the connection. He says, count it all joy knowing. Count it all joy knowing. Count it all joy knowing. In other words, we, we count it joy because we already know some things going in. We already understand some things before any... any uh, blows are, are thrown before any battle is fought, before uh, anything gets real up in here, right? This expression that the young people use uh, these days. Um, knowing gives reason for the joy. So he says, count it all joy knowing. In other words, there are some things that you can know that will cause you to have joy even in the, the most difficult of situations. Just like there are some things that you can be ignorant of that will cause you to be very depressed, uh, very defeated, 
you know, very uh, unenthused, so to speak, um, when facing uh, different situations and difficulties in life. So, knowing, count it all joy, knowing, because knowing is what gives reason for the joy. But knowing what? Knowing that the side effect of the trial is the proving of my faith, and the proving of my faith is how I increase my endurance. Okay? So I know we layered some things right there. Let me take just a moment to to deal with them, and then I'm going to show them to you in some different examples. So he says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. You count it all joy because you know some things. And one of the most important things that you know when you uh, fall into a trial is that when your faith is tested, it's going to produce patience. Now, I've done this many times before. I'm going to do it again, all right? This word patience uh, also means endurance. And I actually prefer endurance because patience sometimes gives us this idea of, um, you know, we showed up for a three o'clock dentist appointment. It's 3.45 and they still hadn't called us back and I'm losing my patience, okay? So, I mean, you're still enduring. Don't misunderstand me. But what he's talking about here, endurance, patience, endurance, he's talking about the ability to hold a position. He's talking about the, the ability to uh, come under something and, and re- remain under it, okay? So he's saying that the testing of your faith is going to increase, produce, develop this very important commodity in your life called endurance. Because notice in verse 4 what endurance does. But let endurance have its perfecting work that you may be complete. You may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Uh, One translation says perfect and entire, complete and entire, lacking nothing. Alright? Now, let's let's do it this way. Um, One beautiful example of faith is when Peter gets out of the boat and walks on the water. He sees Jesus coming to him. They're in a boat that they believe is sinking. They think Jesus is a ghost. They cry out to Him from the the boat. And Jesus says, it's me. Peter says, if it's you, bid me come. And Jesus says, come. Peter gets out of the boat and he walks on the water. Okay. Now, we also know that as he's walking on the water, he's actually doing it. As he's walking on the water, the Bible says that his focus shifts from Jesus, who is the object of his faith, to the winds and the waves that are going on around him. In other words, the Bible says it this way, when he saw the wind. In other words, as long as he was focused on Jesus, he was blinded to the circumstances that that were working against him. But when he took his eyes off of Jesus and refocused on the circumstances, this is when he began to sink. Okay? Now, I'm offering to you tonight that Peter didn't sink because he didn't have enough faith. He sank because he didn't have enough endurance. Are you seeing this? It, what, P, you, to say that Peter did not have enough faith to walk on water is not true. 
He clearly, he obviously had enough faith to walk on water. What he was lacking was not faith. What he was lacking was endurance. He clearly had enough faith to walk on water, but not enough endurance to keep walking when the circumstances around him contradicted his faith. Think about this now. This is really, really important. Because I, I want to get more into you know, some of these uh, circumstantial evidence aspects of a, of a real trial and help you uh, make some connections between these things as you learn to build your case. Amen? There's a verse in the Old Testament that I can't wait to share with you because Jesus told us to speak to the mountain, but in the Old Testament we're told to plead our case to the mountain. So we see that a prosecuting attorney, a defense attorney, they work on their case, and when they come to court, when the trial is on, they present their case. So if we're going to be ready for trial, we've got to build our case. Amen? Again, if we're talking about financial prosperity and Satan is trying to prosecute a case of poverty and lack against you, you've got to come to court ready for trial to present your case for abundance and prosperity and how to walk in that by faith. Same with healing, same with restoration, other things. Amen? So again, I'm, I'm trying to, to use Peter as an example before we get into you know, all those different aspects of a trial. Do you realize that all the devil has to use against you in trial is circumstantial evidence. And circumstantial evidence is among the weakest evidence that can be brought uh, to a trial. Amen. All he's got is circumstances. Amen. And we have something much greater, much more powerful than circumstances. We have the truth of the Word of God. Amen. So again, he's bringing circumstances against what you're believing, what, what you're standing on, um, and, and he's trying to move you off of that position. And this is exactly what he did in this situ- what the enemy did in this situation with Peter. Peter had enough faith to walk on water. Let me, let me say it, I'm going to say it even stronger than that. Peter had enough faith to walk all the way across the Sea of Galilee. He did not have enough endurance. Okay? He, and I don't mean like he couldn't walk two miles on dry ground. That's what I'm saying. He didn't have enough endurance to endure in a position of faith that he had taken. Okay, So when we say he didn't have enough endurance, what do we mean by that? Well, he obviously took a position of faith, he walked on the water, but it was the circumstances around him that began to contradict. A couple of words I'm going to use quite frequently tonight. There were circumstances that contradicted what he believed. And there were circumstances that seemed to defy what he believed. Circumstances were contradicting. Circumstances were defying. They were defying his faith. Okay, And as long as he ignored those circumstances, as long as he focused on Jesus, the truth, right? those circumstances that were contradicting and defying him had no effect on him. But when he began to give those things place in his mind, when he began to allow the thoughts of those circumstances and the things that those circumstances were saying to him about his precarious predicament, walking on that water by faith, when he began to give place to those things in his mind, immediately doubt entered in. In other words, he, was, he, he no longer held that position that 
enabled him to walk on the water. So I'm going to say it again. Peter walked on the water. He had faith to do it, but lacked the ability to endure in the position of faith he had taken. He clearly had enough faith to walk on the water, but not enough endurance to keep walking when the circumstances around him contradicted and defied his faith. Now, this is something that's really important. As a matter of fact, what we're talking about now, the Bible says, is more precious than gold. Okay? What is it that's more precious than gold? It's faith that has been proven. It's proven faith. Amen. If, if we go back, let's go back up for a moment. James 1, 2, let me put them all up here. 3 and 4 again. Alright? My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing, that word testing there, literally means the proving of your faith. The proving of your faith. We count it all joy because we know that when Satan hauls our faith into the courtroom of life, all he's going to accomplish in our lives is proving our faith to us. Proving our faith to us. And so as our faith is being proven, we what? It produces endurance because if your faith is ever going to be proven to you, you're going to have to endure some contradiction to it and some defiance of it. In other words, the enemy is going to put your faith on trial by bringing circumstances, statistics, all kinds of things into play. That, that's the evidence that he presents in trial. Those are the things that, that he uses against you because, again, he's trying to move you off of that position of faith. But if you refuse to move when, you're on, when your faith's on trial, your faith is being tested and it will ultimately be proven and in the process it's going to produce and increase tremendous endurance in your life. I'm getting so excited. I've got to settle down here. All right. If we can learn to endure in faith, there is nothing, there is nothing that we can't accomplish. There is nothing that we can't move. There is nothing that we can't receive. Alright, let me get back now. So, here's the simple question. What would have happened to Peter's faith if he had endured the contradiction and defiance and just kept walking? In other words, what if the the circumstances, what if the things that the enemy was, was bombarding his mind? Because see, when you take that position of faith, you, you can rest assured the enemy is going to come and, and try to interfere with that. Faith terrifies your enemy. Listen to me please. Faith terrifies him. His worst nightmare is the day you find out what your faith will actually do in your life on this planet. The day Jesus was not exaggerating when he said your faith would move a mountain into the ocean. He was not exaggerating. 
He's talking about the single most powerful substance. Are you hearing me? I, I know the blood of Jesus. I'm talking about tools and weaponry that, that we've been given, imparted into us, right? Again, as powerful as the blood of Jesus is, it's powerless to a man who has no faith in it. Right? We're talking about, we're talking about something of a spiritual nature that, that can release the force greater than an atomic bomb. We, Jesus said faith the size of a mustard seed could literally move a mountain off its foundation into the ocean. That's how powerful this substance of faith is. And Satan is terrified of it. He is terrified of you growing in it. He is terrified of you learning about it. He is terrified of you operating in it. He, he is, this is why, again, when, when a human being on planet earth rises up in faith to, to use that faith in, in, in a way to produce uh, you know, some positive result in their life or the life of somebody else. Remember, Jesus, Jesus destroyed the works of the devil and He did it by faith. We went to the beach a, a, a few weeks back and it was a great time with the family. And of course, Oliver this year is older and just enjoyed playing in the sand, but you know, for whatever reason, and he didn't do it to anybody else's, but his favorite thing about the sandcastles was stomping them. And he just, I don't know, he just, he loved, he loved to, he'd laugh about it. We'd smash, he'd say, smash them, smash them, you know. And just, he, he loved uh, doing that, right? And, and every time he would do it, I, I, I'm not every time, but some of the times he would do it, I just pictured in my mind, that, that, is, that was what Jesus did to the works of the devil. The works of the devil in people's lives are like those sandcastles. And Jesus just came in there and stomped them. He, he, he stomped blindness. He, he, he stomped leprosy. He, he, just, he just destroyed it. And, and, and now people are seeing again and, and, and healed again and living again, right? And, and this is, this is the, 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 the potential that the measure of faith that resides in you has uh, to, to go against you know, the, the devil. And, 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 and work in, in Satan's life. Now, you say, well, Pastor Mark, what's, why in the world would the devil care about Peter walking on the water? Well, think about it for a minute. Even, you know, despite him doing it, you still hear religious people say, only one man ever walked on water. See, the devil doesn't want you to know that you can walk on water. By faith too. He doesn't want you to know that your faith will do in your life everything that Jesus' faith did in his life. So man, Peter gets out of that boat, starts walking on water. I'm talking about demons are, are having heart attacks. Demons are like, stop him! Stop him! Whatever you got to do, stop him! You can't let those other disciples know that they can walk on water like this. Let, let me, I, I'm gonna, you can check me on this when we get to heaven. I believe if Peter hadn't caved in on it, Walking on water would be as common today as, as anything else for the, for, for the Christian. In other words, there's a barrier there. It's that frontier there. It's that, it's that impossibility. Jesus is showing us He can do it. But see, as, as important as Jesus' example is, religiously minded people say, yeah, well, that was Jesus. Jesus can do anything. We could never do that. Peter is proof that we can do that. And again, the devil spazzed out of his mind. Stop him. Do something, right? So again, he's walking on this water. Here comes a quick trial, right? 
And again, it comes from the circumstances. Remember, circumstance, circumference, circle. Circumstances are, are things that stand in a circle around you. The wind and the waves were contradicting and defying Peter's faith. In the same way symptoms try to defy yours and contradict yours, in the same way uh, checking account balances try to uh, contradict and defy yours, in the same way statistics try to contradict and defy yours, in the same way survival rate tries to contradict and defy your faith. So circumstantially, but then mentally, Thoughts that contradict and defy Peter's faith. I believe some of those thoughts could have went something like this. Who do you think you are? You can't walk on water. Never mind he was doing it. You realize you can be doing something and the devil tell you you can't do it and if you're not careful, you will believe that you can't do it while you're doing it? He's walking on water. The devil's telling him, you can't walk on water. You can't walk on water. You can't walk on water. What if Peter had said, look at me, I am. I am walking on water. But all of a sudden, he starts getting this thought in his mind, you can't do this. Who do you think you are? How about this has never been done before when somebody right in front of him is doing it? Or let, let's, go, let's go to a whole other category of thoughts. If those don't get you, the devil will try something like this. Can you imagine this thought after about the third step on water? Ain't I something? Look at me. Look at all those chickens in that sinking boat. In other words, pride, right? So it's either you can't do this, who do you think you are? Or look at you. Look at how great you are. You're the best disciple and you're proving it right now to everybody else, who the greatest one really is. I want to show you something in Hebrews 6 and 12. It says this, that you do not become sluggish. Sluggish means lazy. But imitate those who through faith, same word, hupomene, patience, endurance, inherit the promises. Do not become lazy, do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and endurance Inherit the promise. Let me remind you tonight, inherit means to take possession of what belongs to you. To take possession of what belongs to you. To, to inherit healing then would be to take possession in your body of the healing that's yours already. How do we take possession of what belongs to us already? Because all the promises of God are yes and amen. How do we take possession of what belongs to us already? The, the, the simple answer is faith. But the Bible doesn't just say faith. It says faith and endurance. Faith and endurance is how we take possession of what belongs to us. So I've said all this tonight to say that the trying or trial of your faith occurs when circumstances and sense realm evidence contradict and defy your faith. In other words, this is what it means for your faith to be tried. It's, it's when circumstances, it's, it's when things stand around you in a circle. All those other things we talked about, they, they could take the form of statistics or checking account balances or symptoms or what have you. All of these things that, that come against you 
to defy your faith. Being ready for trial then means you are prepared to answer and endure the contradiction and defiance without moving from your faith position. I don't think we can ever put too much emphasis on faith. But the more I learn about this, the more I'm, I'm seeing that faith or a lack of faith is not our problem. I mean, there are some folks who just don't believe, okay? But I would dare say most of the people that I'm speaking to tonight, you believe it's God's will for you to prosper. You believe it's God's will for you to be well. You believe it's God's will for you to live a victorious life. You believe it's God's will for you to, to live a meaningful, uh, satisfied life and, 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 you know, well into old age. We believe these things, right? So, Obviously, we can grow and be stronger in faith and our faith, faith be well-fed and, and pray in the Holy Spirit, build ourselves up in faith. But I think if we really start examining these things, it's, it's on the endurance side. It's when our faith is put on trial and the least little thing seems to contradict what we believe that we back away from the faith position. Are you seeing this? It's like, well, it must not be. Must, nothing happened. You know, um, you know I've, I've prayed for people before, and um, we agreed together in faith that they were healed, and, uh, and I've seen people healed. I've also prayed for people before, and we agreed together in faith that they were healed, and they call me the next day, and they say, well, nothing happened. See, again, what's happened here? We, we had the faith. We agreed together. I mean, we looked at the Scriptures, what the Bible says. Do we believe this? I believe this. Do you believe this? Yes, let's agree together. Let's lay hands. Let's do what the Bible says. Do all of that, right? But then, because, you know, the ankle was still hurting or because, um, you know, the, the tumor was still visible or, or whatever, you know, in other words, something is contradicting what we believe. There's still some evidence, some symptoms, some some circumstance in their, in their lives that's saying nothing happened, nothing, nothing's different, nothing's changed. And so we endure for only a brief moment and once the trial and the pressure is applied, we step back from that faith position. This is how I'm convinced, this is how the enemy is being successful against many, many, many of God's people. All right, um, real quick, let's, let's, uh, let's try to finish this section tonight. Uh, James chapter 1, um, James chapter 1 and verse uh, number 12. So all this is a continuation of what we looked at in chapter, in chapter 1, verses 2, 3, and 4. He goes on to say, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, and that, means, that also means tested or tried. Let no one say when he's tempted, tested, or tried, I'm tested, tempted, or tried by God, for God cannot be tested, tempted, or tried by evil, nor does he himself test, tempt, or try anyone. So let me remind you again that this word evil right here 
doesn't mean what a lot of people think it means. It refers to someone, it literally means cowardly, and it refers to someone who went through boot camp, basic training, uh, prepared uh, for battle, but when, you know, the first time they were in a situation uh, where it was live rounds and there was a real enemy in the heat of that battle, they forgot their training and they ran rather than holding their ground, rather than you know, reverting to their training and doing what they had been taught to do, they backed away. So notice, this is tipping the hand right here to what tests, trials, and temptations are really all about. It's pressure being applied to us from the enemy, not God, amen, to try and get us to back away again, move off of our faith position. So he says, blessed is the man who endures temptation. Um, blessed means empowered to prosper. So let me give you this translation. This is the New Winslet International Translation. Okay, <laughs> Empowered to prosper is the man who endures the contradiction and defiance of his faith, and that would be the trial, Okay, without wavering. For when he is approved, he will receive the crown of life promised to those who love him. Now, don't make the mistake of thinking the crown of life is something to be given to you in heaven. The crown of life is for you right here, right now, upon the earth. I could spend the next three Wednesday nights showing you in the Scriptures where it's God's will, you were created by God, it's His plan and purpose, always has been, always will be, for you and me to rule and reign in life. For us to not be uh, dominated in life, but to have dominion in life, not to be ruled over by our flesh, ruled over by uh, our emotions, ruled over by our enemy, ruled over by darkness. No, for us to rule over those things. This is Father's plan and desire for us. And we know, amen, I'm connecting a lot of dots here rather quickly, but we know that if we are going to effectively and practically rule and reign in life, we are going to have to do it by faith. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Amen. So notice here, he's saying, empowered to prosper is the man who endures the contradiction and defiance of his faith without wavering. For when he is approved, he will receive the crown of life. In other words, when your faith is proven, when your faith is proven, you will rule and reign in life. When your faith is proven, you will rule and reign in life. Now, here is, if I, was, if I was a tweeter, I would tweet this, okay? Proven faith and proven character are essential to reigning in life and living a lack-nothing lifestyle. Proven faith and proven character. Faith and endurance. Proven faith, proven character. In other words, it's one thing to talk it, it's another thing to walk it. Okay? Now, Oh, I'm out of time. Praise the name of the living God. So many people, let me finish right here, let me finish right here, and then we'll pick it up next week. So many people get off track by thinking we are proving to God that we have what it takes. That all of this is somehow about our proving to Him that we really do have genuine faith. Absolutely not. How is it that God knows everything but doesn't know how much faith you have? How could it be possible that He gave you the measure of faith but somehow forgot how much He gave you? My friend, the trial of your faith isn't about proving your faith to Him. It's about proving your faith to you. 
You remember David who went to face Goliath and Saul, the king of Israel, realized that David was serious about this and he was going to take on that giant. Saul wanted to give David his armor. Saul probably had the finest set of armor on the planet. He was king of God's people. And David tried it on, but he basically said, thanks, but no thanks. And you remember what he said? He said, I haven't tested these, and they are not proven to me. I haven't tested these, and they are not proven to me. So he took that armor off, and he put this leather pouch around one side of his neck that hung on the opposite side by his hip, and he went down to the creek, amen, he went down to the creek bank, and he found himself five smooth stones. Now, if you're just looking at what a man might want to bring into battle, you probably are going to choose the finest armament and weaponry available on planet earth over five rocks. But the difference with David was the armament and the weaponry of Saul had not been tested by him and therefore was not proven to him but those rocks, on the other hand, those had been tested by him and those had been proven by him. And so he had confidence in the rocks and God's ability to use the rocks to kill the giant where he had no confidence in that armament and in, that, in, the, in Saul's sword. I personally believe, again, you can check me when we get to heaven, I personally believe had David taken that that. Saul's armor and went to fight Goliath that Goliath would have killed him. Because the only way he won that battle was by faith. Excuse me. The only way he won that battle was by proven faith. By proven faith. Now I believe that um, faith is like Saul's armor to a whole lot of people. The finest available has been given to them but they don't have any confidence in it. It hasn't been proven to them and never will be proven to them until it's tested in battle. Until we get out of the foxhole and go up against the giants that are defying and contradicting us. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, we love you tonight. And we thank you for this measure of faith, this gift of faith that you've given to us. And Father, I thank you that you're showing us how to use it and you're showing us, Father, how to take a position of faith concerning the things that we need in our lives. But then, Lord, you tell us to not be ignorant of the devil's devices, and we know that one of the devices he's going to do, as soon as we take a position of faith, is he's going to try to contradict it. He's going to try to bring some kind of defiance against it. He's going to try to use some kind of circumstance to, to, to confuse us if he can, to get us to back down if he can, because it doesn't seem to be changing, it doesn't seem to be working, it doesn't seem to be making any difference. But, Father, I thank you that again, we're not ignorant of His devices and we refuse to move. We refuse to take our focus off of Your truth and off of Your Word that we've believed and that we've confessed by faith 
and that we're standing on. And Father, I thank you that in the heat of that trial where the enemy is trying to bully us, something marvelous is taking place. Our faith is being proven to us. Our faith is becoming recognized by us as something that we can use as a tool, as a weapon against the enemy and to receive, inherit, Father, into our life reality all that belongs to us. So we count it all joy knowing, Father. We count it all joy knowing. We thank you for helping us, Lord, understand and process these things in a practical way in our individual lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, it's been a great evening. It's been a long one for me. It's been a while since I've uh, preached and taught that many hours in a row, but God is good, amen. Uh, Tell somebody around you good things coming. You be blessed. Um, Have a great week, and we will see you Sunday morning at 1030. Amen.